lights out, and away we ayo. No Breaks is back. I'm your host, Trey Kirby. I'm joined today by our local F1 expert and a man who is closely tracking the dwindling buffalo herds of the 19th century, Graydon Gordy. And Graydon, what's up, dude? How's it going? I'm so excited to be here in the classic factory. From the outside, as you drive up, you'd never know this is a factory for classics, but then you come inside, you see all the machinery, you see everybody at work producing the classics. It's incredible. Classics just flying out the windows here. Of course, we've got our team principal in the paddock, JD, making sure we're up to snuff on the latest rules and regulations. Hello, everybody. Great to see a car podcast in a garage. That's perfect. It was meant to be. (laughs) It was meant to be. Whether you're joining us live in the Slipstream team here on YouTube, listening to the podcast on Apple, or Spotify or through the Athletic app. Thanks for joining us for season two of No Breaks. Think it's going to be as good as season one? I think it's going to be even better. Even better? I mean, we're we're in every possible way. We're up in the ante. We're going faster, using even less breaks than we did last time. We had almost no breaks. <laughs> yeah, we had almost <laughs> no, no breaks break. last year, but we took a couple of them. Super dramatic season last year. Weekly skirmishes. Lots of fun. We'll see how it stacks up, but we'll be here every week after the races to break down what happened on the track, what happened off the track. So get your subscriptions right. Right now we're in the No Dunks feed. I think we're going to launch another one here in not too long. But uh, before we get to the 2022 season, we got to talk a little bit about last year. Netflix just dropped season four of Drive to Survive, recapping the 2021 season. You watch it yet? I am almost done with it. Normally I watch it almost in one sitting, but as these guys know, like I have like two infants at home so my ability to just sit down and watch tv for like eight hours in a row or something (laughs) is maybe not what it quite was maybe six seven months ago so you know i'm not but i you know i'm really enjoying it so far though yeah i'm only i think i've watched through episode six which is the williams episode i think i'm in Um, the same spot actually and honestly i'm kind of dreading watching the last two episodes because i know it's going to get dramatic i know i'm going to get a little bit heated my blood pressure is going to be rising but uh we all already got the Haas episode though yeah. which is always the best episode of Drive Survive in my opinion like hilarious episode Gunter Steiner is the star of the show I mean I would do I would watch a whole documentary just about him and his whole season I think um he probably has my favorite line so far from what I've seen when they're talking about um Nikita Mazepin's dad who came in and saved Haas and he's obviously got ties uh, as a Russian oligarch but uh Steiner mentions like he's not an oligarch He's just a fertilizer guy. A simple <laughs> fertilizer guy. He's a, he's a classic yard man. He's, you know, he's, my, he's my yard guy. guy. He's a, yeah. Um, one of the biggest stories last year was that Max Verstappen wasn't going to be doing like the talking head interviews for this, which he's not in, uh, in season four. Do you miss him? It actually, I'm impressed how much it's not impacting the storyline. First of all, it's, his absence is made up for by Christian Horner's constant presence and oh, incredible willingness to talk about anything all the time. All you know, so it, that that helps because he kind of is the stand-in for the Red Bull narrative, and in a way that I don't know that Christian Horner is terribly likable in the in this, no. but but he is probably a more dynamic villain than Max would be. I think he's good on camera, even if you come away from a lot of these kind of maybe more annoyed with him than you than many people even were last year so yeah definitely i think he's um like he's great to have on the mic and it's kind of like you know there's no verstappen there so i'm gonna take two times 
my take my villainy to the next level <laughs> two good. times. It almost feels a little bit like this season is Toto versus Christian Horner to me. Oh I, yeah. I mean, obviously with no we're stopping around, so he's not gonna be able to be speaking for himself. They still kinda work him in there with, you know, like radio calls or like a post race interview, that kind of thing. But I don't know, like it's just very funny to see the way these two guys go at each other. The Toto look into their lives is incredible. Like Toto Wolf, like ordering more and more elaborate breakfasts, or like wearing <laughs> like the or like Christian Horner doing increasingly like foppish country gentrified things. You're like skeet shooting, <laughs> but having someone else load his gun for him and things like that. Right? It's all these things that, that are just incredible little like highly staged but very funny looks in their lives because. Somebody had to say, you know, what do you want to be thought of as? And he's like, well, I'd like to be somebody who is portrayed ordering breakfast multiple times in this. It's for breakfast. Yeah, it's very – I think it's great, but I, I'm really liking it. I feel like this the show is kind of getting some – hate from like maybe diehard F1 folks, like old guard people who were into it before the show came around, before all the new kids showed up. But I honestly still think it's super fun. Why is it getting hate? I think because, I think there's a little bit of like, they think it oversimplifies the sport. It doesn't really cover any of the engineering or Mm -hmm. like the car dynamics. You really don't get a good sense of like, why what happens on track happens. It's very personality driven, right? And I think people wish there was a little bit more of that. And I think that's maybe a fair critique. They could balance in maybe a little bit of education around strategy and, you know, the development of the cars and things like that. And then there is also the criticism that they mischaracterize people some, but I I actually am I don't really care or buy that. Like, it's fine. Like, yeah. I feel like it's they're ma- they're making storylines. It's interesting. It's it's compelling. I it, I don't know. They're not certainly like Horner is. Let's say they're making a villain out of Horner. It's like he's playing into that. Oh yeah, he's, he's not like he made he's a villain. <laughs> yeah, like he's like, yeah. he's not like what you. How could you portray me this way? It's like, uh, <laughs> like uh, so that's yeah. He's all. It's almost like with uh, Horner. I'm going to give you all of the villainy stuff. You choose what you want. There it doesn't feel like there's much left on the cutting room floor <laughs> for Christian Horner. No. And also, I'll say, I have never seen somebody so dedicated to pumpernickel toast. Oh yeah, as Toto Wolf is. Oh, He's ordering a pumpernickel it. at breakfast every single time. He loves it. I pump it up. I noted that, and I guess, I guess I like pumpernickel just fine. Same. But I, but not nearly at the frequency that he's enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can't remember the last time I ordered yeah. a pumpernickel toast at uh, at breakfast. But uh, we got together for the Monaco Grand Prix last year. We you did. You got to have pumpernickel toast. Okay, yeah, d- yeah, year, d- yeah, yeah, fair. Okay, fair. Be the, like our annual delicacy. Monaco Grand Prix brunch. I will, I will provide some pumpernickel. I will do drive to survive themed you know, brunch items. I love it. A lot yeah. of ginger for ginger spice, perhaps, uh, you know, walking through the beautiful fields with Christian Horner. <laughs> just a, natural, just a, just stuff, a calm, man. casual, yeah. they, they yeah. just happened to stumble upon this video <laughs> crew as we were going hey. about our afternoon stroll in our English manor. Yeah. It's a hard life. It's great. I can't wait to finish it. I can't wait to get upset again. Going down to those last couple of races. Yeah. I mean, like, they. I, I was watching uh, the McLaren episode, I think, is the first time you see the collision that sends 
Verstappen going over Lewis yeah, Hamilton. In, in and Italy, it's weird yeah. that, where they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that happened. But, you know, it's going to come up later <laughs> as like a bigger storyline later in the season. But when you're only talking about McLaren, you're like, oh, just just a small, just a small little crash there. Anyways, that's 2021. We're on to 2022. Got a bunch of new driver lineups here. So we're going to run through all of the teams kind of starting at the top. Mercedes did win the Constructors' Championship last they year. They did. That's weird to me, uh, considering that Max Verstappen won the Drivers' Championship. But we're starting with Red Bull because they do have the champ. Is it more prestigious to win the Drivers' Championship? Like, does a team like Red Bull, are they upset that they didn't win the Constructors' Championship because they don't get, like, that huge payout for being the number one team, even I, though their guy won, which is more glory, I would I say? think it kind of... D- so I think the payout is the key here. I think if you're a lower team that's a little bit more financially insecure, that those spots, you know, you're not really competing for the top title, but those spots are more meaningful than any given driver finishing. But I actually think Red Bull, I mean, they clearly optim- at some point optimized their strategy for winning the driver's championship. Mm-hmm. And I do think among fans, it's what's most remembered. Like Definitely. people talk about Hamilton's championships, Schumacher's championships, Etc. Senna's championships way more than they talk about Ferrari or Williams or McLaren or whatever. Of course, there's incredible prestige with the constructors' championships. I'm not saying there's not, but I feel like the drivers' titles are the things that teams that are financially capable will optimize for. Yeah. If you're if the if the millions here or there aren't a make or break thing for you. Red Bull and Mercedes aren't going broke coming in second is what you're saying. Same with Ferrari. I think they don't like that's not what they they want to be. They want their driver on the top step. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Anyways, so the drivers for Red Bull, they got the same old crew. Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez. You think they're going to be the favorites coming in? I think they're probably the favorites. Yeah, I think Max probably has to be the favorite to win again, especially after how things looked in practice. You know, in the in these uh, you know sessions in Bahrain and back in Barcelona, the the car looks good. It looks fast. It looks like they've done a reasonably good job with the regu- the new regulations. And you probably got to think that Perez takes another leap. Everybody. You know, you know, you'd think they take a leap, but the com- everybody's comfort with the car is going to be a little off because it's such a dramatic change. But another year, more ingrained into the culture, you know, better working relationship with his engineers and everybody in the team. I think that you you got to expect that they'll they'll be the favorite. Yeah, I would imagine so. Especially like you just saw how it kind of clicked into focus as a team, especially like in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, like. Uh, Verstappen being able to to make his comeback and win was in due in large part to Perez holding off Hamilton for that little bit of time there, giving Max a chance to catch up. That was great stuff. Absolutely, yeah. But I would uh, one other question I have about Red Bull for you: they're making their own engine this year, right? Yeah, they they are. Although it's it's not in name only, but you know they've transitioned the Honda Honda is exiting the sport, but basically the Honda F1 team in fact are transitioning over to Red Bull and even some of the personnel are staying so there's and there's a lot of cooperation there so I so it's it's that is true, but it's not as if it's like okay, they started from scratch sure. and they don't have you know and now they've had to just cook up an engine from nowhere it's basically the Honda engine that they were running last year with with the sort of gains that you would make in the off season. Throw an RB on there and it's all good is what yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. All right. In our, our second team, Mercedes, they got Lewis Hamilton. They do. Ever heard of him? Pretty good. And joining Lewis Hamilton this year in Ooh. Hamilton's quest for his eighth driver's championship, George Russell, 
Moving from Williams. Mr. Saturday. Taking the number two spot from Valtteri Bottas. What are your expectations for George Russell this year? You know, it, you definitely got to, I definitely think he's going to win a race. I definitely think he's going to win a race. I've got, I think he's got the pure pace and he puts it together enough on a weekend to win a race. I think he'll be on some podiums. A lot of this is going to be impacted by the car itself. You know, everybody's, Mercedes doesn't sound very confident about their car right now. Lewis Hamilton is claiming they're not going to compete to win races. <laughs> They've said that every year, year to year. I saw some some tweet the other day where it was just screenshots of Lewis Hamilton saying in 2016, 2017, 2018, every year, like, oh, the car's not ready. We've got tons of problems to figure out. Then the first race comes around and they just like crush. Oh, we everybody. figured it out. Yeah, like, whoops, we figured it out in the last week, I guess. And now, so yeah. It's uncertain whether they're sandbagging or not. At the same time, they took such a dramatically different design approach to some of the other teams that I think that it's possible that they made a mistake. I mean, it is possible they made a mistake. So I think that we'll see. And that being said, I'd expect them to be very competitive. I expect George to to do well. You know, I I think it makes their life easy because George one day is going to want to compete for the for titles, but this year. It's pretty easy to say, listen, you're the number two, you know, and you've got to support Lewis while we while you kind of get your sea legs under you to compete at the very top of the grid. Do you think so. he'll end up being a better number two for Hamilton uh, than Valtteri was? I mean, they had a ton of success. Obviously, Mercedes did. It was just the criticisms of Bottas were always that he's finishing second, guaranteed. You know, he's not going to beat Hamilton. Even those couple of seasons where it would come in, like, is this the year? It wasn't. To be honest... I think he won't be a better number two in the sense that he's better than Botas, in my opinion, and at times will be less willing to sacrifice, less willing to not be competitive with his teammate. He's going to want to win titles, and Botas wanted to as well, but at the end of the day, I think by the middle of every season, Valtteri acknowledged the reality of what was going on and was willing to play ball, you know, multiple times, acquiesced to team orders, you know, in general played a supporting role and did so well. And with that, they they won, you know, the, the driver and constructor titles several times in a row as a pair. So in some sense, you couldn't have asked for a better number two. So in that, Russell will be better in the sense that I think it gives them a better shot at, assured, at, at securing the constructor's title, as I think Russell will generally perform better than Botas will, mm -hmm. but at times it will get complicated and messy if they end up, you know, if, if Russell doesn't feel like playing ball there, sure, which he may not. Well, and I think uh, Mercedes, if, you, if you're in their shoes, you have to be hoping that they have like a, like a Spurs-like sort of thing here, right? Where like Tim Duncan passing the secrets down to Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, that didn't end well. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> let's hope that. Sorry, that, buddy. Let's hope that's not how They did get the late Mercedes title, Mercedes is hoping. They, they did, did get the late title. So, you know, there are worse people to learn under than Lewis Hamilton. 100%. 100%. And I think that – but Lewis is famous for – I think having tense relationships with teammates when they do really start to challenge him. I mean, his relationship with Nico Rosberg, you know, in the you know early to mid teens was was as toxic as any relationship on the grid because Rosberg was pushing him and actually did take away a title from him. Won one year, right? So I think that so if you see Russell overperform, I could see something a bit like what happened with. Vettel and Leclerc and Ferrari where things are maybe quietly a little bit more tense than anybody wants to let on. I, I don't know. But that's all speculative. I think in actuality, 
you won't end up see that coming to pass because Lewis will be clearly and confidently sure. ahead of him and it won't be a debate other than some maybe one or two on-track incidents where there's some individual moment where maybe they ask Russell to do something he doesn't want to do or something like that. There's some uh, good teammate moments for Russell uh, yeah. in Drive to Survive Season 4, yeah. helping out Latifi to get his uh, points during the season. I hope the same thing doesn't happen to us, though. Like, if I start making really great uh, like, Formula One observations, and then I start undermining then you get very them. jealous of my sweet takes. Yeah, yeah, and I start, like, talking about thing, how... You know, Skeets is in here hosting like, instead. Oh, my God. It's I gotta go host for Toro Rosso. And then just put out to pasture. Yeah, then I'm just stuff. like... Uh, no, I, okay, in your defense, right, Russell does some, they do talk about that instance where he basically is defending on behalf of Latifi and, like, is totally focused on Latifi getting points so yep. the team can get points. I think that uh, was an awesome moment from him, and I assure you there will be those moments in the Merc, too. I just think there will also be moments where he's very competitive against Lewis, and that will feel complicated, you know, it's not that he's not a team player. Just and he loves to Toto and Toto loves him. And, you know, so. All yeah. right. Our next team on the list, your team, kind of. Ferrari. I don't want to put words in your yeah. mouth, but you're a Ferrari uh, fan here. They got their same drivers back as well. Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz. Uh, they mention a lot in Drive to Survive Season 4. Ferrari is not here to come in third place. They yeah, did last year. It was a great season. What's a great season for Ferrari this year? The title? I'm going to say it right now. This is a place where if you're a team in red, you know, we, we like to say that you're back. And for me, I think that Ferrari <laughs> is back. back. I, all I have is I'm I back and I wear red and I'm all out of red clothes. So I'm, I'm back. They're back. I think it's they're going to be right at the top. I think they're going to be competing for wins. I think they're going to be back on the top step. I think it's Ferrari can consider it a good season if they're back in second place or they win Grand Prix, which it's been, you know, a minute. 2019, uh, I think, was the last yeah, race win for Ferrari. So if they're winning Grand Prix, I think you you feel great about that. If they're second in the championship, I think you feel good. However, they right now look like the team that is best positioned to challenge Red Bull for the title. I, I think coming out of preseason testing, they looked better than... Mercedes. They were very quick. They were very reliable. They were getting a lot of laps in. I think both Charles and Carlos looked fast and mm -hmm. looked comfortable in the car. So they're, you know, I, and they had said that they had thrown a ton of energy last year into the development of this car. They had very eyes on the prize about it. They knew they weren't, they were only going to compete for so much last year and they wanted to get back to really competing for titles. So I think they have a shot. It, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I wouldn't be surprised if either of their drivers or they as a team are actually the champion at the end of the season. That wouldn't shock me. I think it's not likely, but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, where did that sure. come from? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that. they've got such a nice mix. Like Leclerc is, seems to me to be like a championship quality winning driver and signs at the very release. I think, I think he's a good driver and super reliable. Like that guy always finishes. He's not getting in scraps with anybody really. No. And he's going to generally perform pretty well. Like he was ahead of Leclerc going into the summer break last year. Leclerc turned it on after he had some DNFs in the first half of the season, but once he started bringing the car home, that's when Ferrari really took off. So I think they just got two really good drivers, and like you're saying, the cars looked all right so far. I think I do think Leclerc is probably the more likely to win the title in the sense that I do think he's the superior driver. I think he can 
hook it up in more parts. You know, Superior Racecraft, Superior on Saturday. Um, it's his risk tolerance, or it's the DNFs. It's the fact that he's willing to go for gaps or push the envelope. If he can just kind of fine-tune that risk tolerance and, and get a little bit more lucky just a couple of times and finish a few races where his appetite to push the envelope panned out rather than backfired, he has a great chance at finishing right towards the top of the standings. Carlos... You have to – he finished fifth in the driver's standings last year. So you can't – if the car is meaningfully better, you can't write him off mm-hmm. as a title contender. You know, I just have yet to – you know, to me, I, I feel like he's he's just slightly behind the Verstappen-Leclerc quality uh, uh, of driver. So we'll see, though. At the same time, you know, maybe Carlos is ready to take the leap. He did all of that in his first season in a Ferrari, which a lot of guys, as we saw, uh, Ricardo Perez, they really struggled Definitely. in their first year. So maybe he's going to take an even bigger leap. Yeah, so. maybe he's uh, in NBA parlance. Maybe he's like a, a floor raiser. Like he, you're, he's always going to be good. He's always going to be good out there. And I would say Ferrari, the most handsome F one team. I think that I, I think that's right. I think Personal that's preference, right, right there. I, the, the, my, my wife is thrilled. Ferrari <laughs> drive to survive episode comes around. Yeah. Uh, next on the list, McLaren, the Papaya guys, Lando Norris and Danny Rick. Coming back, they were third in 2020, dropped to fourth last year. The biggest question I have with this team is always, who's the number one? Because to me, it should be Norris. He's been there longer. To me, he's better than Ricardo is, but Ricardo has a little bit more of a rep, and he's got some race wins in his pocket, which Norris does not have. Including one last year, which has got to be one of the more surprising outcomes of the oh, season, yeah. that if anybody of that duo won a race, it was it was Danny. I think that... I think that they go in with a true co-driver attitude. I think they're very team-oriented. I think that's a team that does pride itself on where it finishes in the driver standings. I feel like you see that both in Drive to Survive, but you actually see it throughout the season uh, with Zach Brown's commentary. They probably talk more about their position in the driver standings than almost any other CEO or team principal. He brings it up a lot. So I feel like they have a very team-oriented attitude. It, it's it's it, So it'll... I, if if one of them excels and you find it where one of them is actually vying for the title, you know, that could change that attitude over the course of the season. But in the beginning, I think they'll probably treat them equally and take it race by race in terms of, you know, who's being favored strategically. So. Is that the top four you think this year? Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren in some sort of order? It's that is the most likely outcome. I mean, I think the the one thing I'll say is is that and and I don't think anything in testing necessarily makes me doubt that. You know, I think AlphaTauri, I think Aston Martin, I think some of these other teams, uh, Alpine for sure, could jump up and Nick maybe McLaren. McLaren seems the most vulnerable to me there. I don't know mm-hmm. that they've nailed it quite to the degree that or they made the leap that they had hoped to make where they thought, okay, new regs, new chance. You know, you know, to to get back to the very top. I don't know if they pulled it off in the off season or in the development over the last year. So it makes them a little bit vulnerable. But that's the you know the the smart bet is that's the top four. All right, our next three. I'm putting all of these together, Graydon, because these all seem like the same team to me. They all start with A. Mm-hmm. They've all got the same lineups as last season, and it feels like they're always battling for like the last few points that are on the grid. We've got Alpine. Mm-hmm. who are bringing back Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon. We've got Alpha Tauri, who have Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda. And we've got Aston Martin Racing with Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll. How are you ranking those teams 
right there. I mean, the triple A's, if you will, Alpine, AlphaTauri, and Aston Martin. Maybe in the order you just named them. Maybe in the order you just named them. I'm very bullish on what Alonso can do this year. He seemed to improve a lot over the course of last season as he figured out the car, and I think he did show that he still got it. That being said, my favorite lineup out there is Alpha Tauri. Mm -hmm. I think Pierre Gasly is a supreme talent, and a better car could probably vie for a title. I think he is that good. And I... I think Yuki could make a leap this year. He 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 was having a good season. He had a very up and down season where I feel like he did very well or like the car never made Crashed it across out. the finish yeah. line. Yeah. So as long as he can kind of smooth that out, they could be very competitive. And that could easily be the team that ends up in fourth, ahead of McLaren, ahead of Alpine. But that's the one I'm most excited to watch. I think they're the yeah. – for me, I, I don't know that – I think Vettel is declining, and I think Stroll has a ceiling as a driver. I'm probably least bullish on Aston Martin. Yeah, that was a disappointing season for Aston Martin last year. You know, they had their pink Mercedes during the 2020 season. It looked great. The rake regulations changed. It affected Mercedes and Aston Martin the most, for sure. But Mercedes sure. was able to figure it out, right. uh, whereas Aston Martin was not. Yeah, I'm excited for AlphaTauri as well. I like Gasly. And I also saw that Yuki Sonoda, his big change for this season, he's not ordering Uber Eats anymore. Oh, He said okay. he was ordering Uber Eats for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow, that's too much Uber Eats. That's too much Uber Eats. He said that's, <laughs> that's way too much. He's like, uh, Franz Yost, I think, is their team principal. Yeah. Right? And he's like, well, I saw that guy. He's 60 years old, and he doesn't order Uber Eats. He's got a ton of energy, so I'm going to stop ordering Uber Eats, which I think was That's, a hilarious I know he loves the food. Change. He does talk about food. <laughs> yeah. Like, last year, he, when he moved to Italy to, like, try to focus on the team more, they were like, what's the best part about it? He's like, oh, it's the food. I'm eating food. <laughs> like, he talks about – he's he's definitely my hungry boy. So it's like I, I – uh, yeah, but that's too much Uber Eats, man. Even that's too much. if you're like a, an F1 driver, you're well compensated. You can't afford to order <laughs> that much Uber Eats, but you also got to be, I imagine, if you're an F1 driver and you order and like you just see them with your order in the car and you're like, how is this taking so long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> I, wait, but you're supposed to be eating. You're supposed to yeah. be like trip. There's like so much sodium in like restaurant food. You're supposed to be, you see other guys like, like Carlos Sainz is like posting pictures of his food. It's he's like, it's like chicken and broccoli. Yeah. It's the most boring <laughs> meals of all time I've ever seen. That's, you shouldn't be eating that much takeout, period. No, that's, I mean, it's like, like Derek Rose, I remember was like, he had like a Skittles machine in his house and like, just, he's like, oh yeah, well now that I'm not 25 anymore, I have to start eating decent food. So, I guess that proves that these guys are super athletes as well. I guess you gotta watch so. what you're I guess eating. that's what <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda ordering Uber Eats time <laughs> yeah, day totally. definitively proves that F1 drivers are super athletes. Yeah, we shall see what they do. Alpine, AlphaTauri, Aston Martin, in some sort of order there. Alpine had a cool season last year. Alonso was a surprising yeah. veteran, and Ocon got that race win. Pretty cool stuff. That um, was exciting. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Down the back markers. We're talking about Williams. They finished eighth in the Constructors' Championship last year. George Russell obviously went to Mercedes. So their driver lineup this year, Nicholas Latifi is back. And Alexander Albon, he's back, baby. Welcome back. Give him a red shirt because he's back. Is Williams heading the right way? George Russell was saying a lot of that. I wish this were my first season at Williams. You know, they they, they scored see, more points last season you know, than I, 19, 20, and 21 combined. But it hasn't looked good early. It hasn't looked good early. Testing didn't look good. I think there was a lot of enthusiasm coming out of last season. I think people felt decent about the driver lineup. I know that Albon's probably not a top-tier guy, but 
bringing in a guy who has actual F1 experience as opposed to a true rookie felt like maybe they could put it together, but I don't know. I didn't feel good after seeing them in testing. It doesn't feel like they're making the leap back up into the midfield. It certainly doesn't feel like they'll be out there competing with the Alpha Tauris and the Alpines, which should have probably been the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, and I, I just don't see that. Of course, I will say it's not the gap it used to be. It's not like, okay, preseason testing, they're a second, a second and a half behind the ninth team. They're close. They will be in the point some. Races will swing their way. I think, I, but I I think there is a world where they're like back at the very bottom, like nine ten again, which is a shame because I did want to see them improve. I, you know, but yeah, and they, somebody's they had a be better somebody's last be year, and obviously they had a change in leadership. Yeah, Yos. Also. Yeah, Yos Capito. That guy's a that guy's he's happy. a character. Yeah, yeah he's a character. <laughs> he was awesome. He's a character for sure. <laughs> I like him a lot. Actually, yeah. I think he's cool. And uh, his episode of Beyond the Grid, like the long form interview with him, F one's podcast is great super interesting hearing him talk about his experience in rally is super interesting uh but i don't know it just doesn't it's it's this is just very competitive you can even do mm-hmm. a great job as a team principal a great job with the car and it's uh, it's just not enough so what's the scouting report on albon because last we saw him you know he was with red bull had some skirmishes with uh lewis hamilton if i'm not mis- mistaken and then eventually got uh sent down to the lower team yeah Toro this Rosso back then this has got to be something where I think the thing that I'm really looking for from Albon is not it is not the driving ability. It's the yips. It's the mm-hmm. psychological stuff. He seemed to get really shook. He had a few races where he was right there in it, fighting for a podium, fighting for a win. Things went awry. And those having the rug pulled out from under him seemed to really shake his confidence. Uh, at times, he made comment. I mean, a very you know, infamous comment about how hard the other guys race him. He seemed kind of shook because people were doing really aggressive overtakes. And that's not the kind of <laughs> attitude that you want a driver to have. Is Why to are like, all these guys passing? Yeah, like to be a little bit taken <laughs> aback at like how competitive the other guys are. Yeah, totally. Like that, that, that definitely didn't look good. I think that did So that, so I think things, I think you want to, so I think that's what you're hoping for is just like maybe a little bit older, a little bit more confident, and hopefully in a situation where there's a little bit less pressure and therefore beating, you know, beating his teammate on Saturday, getting in the points, these are all wins. Those are things you can be proud of and kind of just building back into the sport a little bit. All right, a couple more teams. Our only all-new team is Alfa Romeo, finished ninth in the Constructors last year. They've got Valtteri Bottas as their number one driver and Guan Yu Zhou, the first Chinese driver at the Formula One level. Any idea what to expect from this team? This has got to be one of the bigger wild cards out there. I don't think they're going to excel, but it's definitely a weird lineup, especially for a team that for quite a, a long time was perceived as just a feeder team for the Ferrari program. You know, they were the relationship isn't as tight, but they were basically the Alpha Tauri, you know, to Ferrari's, mm-hmm. you know, Red Bull, and they were. But neither of these guys are Ferrari guys. Not Botas and Guan Yu sure. aren't, right? So it's kind of like, what, what's this lineup? Where is it coming from? Why was this a strategic decision at the top? Is a little bit unclear to me. And certainly, you know, I will say that Botas got a, a pretty detailed look at what both Williams and Alpha were planning when they were courting him. Mm-hmm. And he went with Alpha. He said, I think these guys are the more promising team. He, My understanding is he basically had his choice between the two. And he was like, I'm going to Alpha. Part of that was also about guaranteed money, I think, hmm. which was always 
uh, a sore spot for him with Mercedes. Sure. So, and Alpha was willing to commit, but I don't know. You that know, seems well, significant to me, considering he has previous history with Williams. And I mean, honestly, even if it comes down to money, you would rather be with the team that's spending more money in a sport yeah. that's driven by money. Totally, yeah, totally. So. I, last year, I, w- I was shocked to see him make this decision. I would have, I would have bet a ton of money that he would end up back at Williams. So th- this definitely was a, a surprise lineup across the board, especially because also there's very talented Ferrari Academy driver guys sitting without a seat right now who you thought might have Guan Yu Zhou's seat. So I think there is. This is a peculiar group. It's really tough to tell how these guys, but I think they're in this. We've got them in the right spot, which is somewhere in this bottom three. Yeah. Our final back marker, the Haas racing team. They've got Mick Schumacher back and they just replaced Nikita Mazepin with Kevin Magnussen. The upgrade. An upgrade. Major upgrade. Major. Uh, so as, the question for Haas is, are they going to at least compete for ninth place this year? They were. It was like a blowout last year. They weren't even close. Hot take. I think they could compete for sixth place. Haas I mean, I back? think they could be back in the midfield. I think the car looks good. I'll tell you right now, of these back markers, the Haas car looked the best of any of the back marker cars. For sure, you know. I think that final day of testing uh, in Bahrain, I think Mick Schumacher was the second fastest on track, behind only Max Verstappen. So the the car looks good. Is it a world beater? Are they going to be the very top of the standings? No, of course not. But it, I think they could be back in the points, be competitive. I don't think it's going to be a joke like last year, where it's about which of them is getting nineteenth and which of them is getting twentieth. <laughs> is the question, yeah. you know, which yeah. really it was. Like I, I mean, they really were only not getting that if something went wrong for somebody else. You know, yeah. they were. So it's that won't be the case this year. It will be interesting to see how Mick performs. If the car is better, can he really, you know, scrap in the midfield? So hard to assess his talent in such a poor car. People think he's a good driver, though, right? People do. He won the F2 championship. It's not just a name, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he won the F2 championship. He had moments last year where there's great. He looked great on track. Yeah. He was Easily outperforming Mazepin, although I don't know that that's something to Well, they had different cars, about. you know. They that, had different that was the cars. Problem. They gave Mazepin the way they gave him the car big, that the, Yeah, the lot. bad car. I know. They had totally the big unfair. car and the bad car, and they were like, yeah, you get the one that, mm-hmm. that spins, spins <laughs> into the wall. We know your dad's like, paying for all of this. Car, we're yeah. giving you the worst car, though. Yeah. So that's, yeah. And that, so that's hard to overcome having the bad car of the two, but I do think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tough. But, yeah, but I do think that. I, I, hopefully he does well, and then Mag is a, is you know is is awesome, really competitive, really aggressive driver. You know, uh, has spent a bunch of, had been in been in F one for a bunch of seasons, yeah. so I think he brings a lot of stability and knowledge and kind of mid season developmental knowledge back to the team. That's a that's a tough thing about having a a, a two rookie lineup is that there is a, a really powerful feedback loop with the driver and their ability to articulate what's going on, what they need changed, how to evolve the car, you know, with, you know, what they're experiencing on track is something that rookies have a really hard time articulating. They just don't always know sure. what they're experiencing. Mag will be able to do that. You need to improve this. You need to improve that. That'll make us faster in slow corners, fast corners, whatever. And that'll help them a lot over the course of the season as well. All right. There's your 20 drivers uh, heading into the 2022 season. Just going to throw this one at you, Graydon. Feel free to just uh, just rattle these off. Who do you think are the top five drivers in Formula One right now. Like, you know, if if it were like Formula Two, we've all got the same car. 
who are the top five that you know got the skills, the skills to the pay the bills? Players. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna. This isn't a hot take, but I bet you no one's expecting me to say this. But number one, I am gonna say Lewis Hamilton. Still, I I think Lewis Hamilton is. A god, basically. I mean, he is out of control, what he can do. It's Max Verstappen's my number two. And I get on pure pace, one lap to hook it up. Maybe the answer is Max. But if you talk about over the course of a race, the defending, the overtaking, the tire management, I think, you know, Lewis puts it together in a way that almost nobody else does. And that's not even that hot of a take if Latifi doesn't spin into a wall with, mm-hmm. you know, six, seven laps left last year. He wins the title again, and I think a, countless people are saying what I just said. Sure. You know, so... I th- you know, so. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Hamilton wins the championship last year, people are maybe talking about that as his best championship ever, of, considering uh, the you know, the comeback right. over the course of the second half of the season. I mean, those are an easy one, too, for stopping and Hamilton, so either way. I do think, you know, for me... I, I'm tempted to say Leclerc at three. I think Leclerc is a really exceptional talent. I think what you see what he does on Saturdays, you know, putting putting it on pole multiple times mm-hmm. in that Ferrari, that is real pace. And that car was not as fast as some of the other cars on track. It probably was the fourth fastest car, you know, last year on pure pace. And he was still... You know, putting it on pole, you know. You could have won Monaco. Could have won Monaco and almost won the British Grand Prix. A lot happened to almost enable that. But I think that, you know, so I think that's that's really impressive. Norris is is an elite talent, a truly elite talent. I think a guy who absolutely can compete for titles. And then number five? That's the, the tricky one for me because I had Leclerc and Norris uh, as well. True. I hope my boy Lando gets a W this year. But uh, the I fifth th- spot's hard to figure out. Like, Alonso was impressive last year. Sainz oh. was impressive last year. Russell obviously has the talent, just hasn't had the car. Russell, Russell's an interesting answer there. Uh, again, I don't think you can say – I think Gasly's in the conversation. Gasly is still, I think, shaking off the burden of what uh, – you know what a difficult time he had in the Red Bull, but the truth is, since he's been back at Alpha Tauri, he's he's crushed it. He's been great. He's been excellent, as good. Probably the guy who I think has overperformed compared to the car more than any other driver on the grid. Probably, which to me is always a great barometer of sure. true talent. Like, where do you think the median for the car is, and then how far ahead is that guy? And you might say that over the last couple of seasons. Pierre is the guy who's furthest ahead in that regard. So, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, any of those guys are a good answer, but I don't think you can throw him out. All right. Let us know in the comments who you think the top five drivers in the sport are right now. We'll check those out a little bit later. But we've also got some car stuff happening this season. FIA updated the regulations for this year in an effort to basically make overtaking a little bit easier, make things more exciting. Correct. From what I can tell, Graydon, the biggest changes are a new ground effect aerodynamic floor. New front and rear ring wings, the shapes of them. The correct. side pods are different, and they got bigger tires. Correct. All correct. 18 inches. I would have gone 20s. Yeah. 22s, yeah, maybe. Spinning yeah, spinners, rims. Yeah. I would have put it slows spinners down. on that. Yeah, but maybe some lights under the... Yeah. What, uh, what's going to have the biggest effect here? I mean, the ground effect, you know, is, is the real, you know, huge change here, right? To, to, to shift the, the, the vast majority of the... 
aerodynamic kind of, you know, the downforce being created to underneath the car from above. And hopefully that will, you know, mitigate the effects of dirty air, maybe even eventually reduce uh, uh, the need for DRS and allow them to uh, to get rid of that entirely mm. because overtaking will be more plausible without it. Um, that's that's on the kind of product roadmap or the regulatory roadmap. Their hope is to, to do away with, with DRS. So I think those are... That's the big one, and you know we're seeing teams still figuring it out. You're seeing, you know, there's some porpoising out there. There's some porpoising. There's a little bit of porpoising. <laughs> I hope they never porpoising. fix it. I, the, I wish the. I there's a part of me that wishes the porpoising was a bigger problem. It was like nobody could figure yeah. out how to not. Like, sorry, our cars just swim now. Yeah, they're 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 bouncing around. But I think that uh, good name for it, by the way, like why porpoising as opposed to like dolphining, lots of like things like duck <laughs> in and out things, of the water. Yeah. But like, why did you go with the porpoise in particular? Beautiful animal. It is a beautiful, beautiful animal. creature. It is. Uh, uh, but it is a problem. It seems like it would be the most annoying possible thing that could happen when you're going 220 es- miles an hour, bouncing up and down all the time. Especially because the suspension is actually stiffer this year as well, because they, they don't want it to impact the ground effect in the Venturi tunnels underneath the car is actively. So so they're feeling that up and down a lot as they're oh, coming man. down. They're feeling it a lot. So I think it, it must be weird. But those are, that's the biggest ticket item. We'll see how well it pans out. We'll see what sort of pace they can get out of these cars. Of course, you have the simplified front wings and rear wings. Those The change, the look of them is very different. Um, the side pods for me are... The other thing where I don't know if I'd call them the most important element, the ground effect, I would argue, is the most important element. But they're the most fascinating in the sense that, at least in all of my time watching F1, I've never seen greater, like more differentiation in how people approached it. They Mm. all look really, really different. Some are like really long and wide, some are really boxy. Mercedes are barely existent. Yeah. You know, they're like that these are radically different design solutions, which is normally not what you see. You see like people kind of iterating towards an optimal state, you know. So I think that's that's fascinating and it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether that really breaks up the grid and some people just did the wrong thing. Yeah. Or whether Oppositely, there were multiple ways to skin this cat and actually have really radically different design solutions that are very competitive. I think that's also a very cool, fascinating outcome. Yeah, so. I guess it's going to be interesting to see if these, like, actually, if it makes things more stratified where you're like, whoops, we went the wrong way and now we're porpoising all the time. We don't have a chance here. Or, like you're saying, maybe there are several different ways to do this and now the changes are actually going to work and we're going to have a little bit more parity. Regulatory changes, big regulatory changes, do tend to usher in like eras of dominance or like shifts in the grid. You know, every th- Mercedes dominance over the last several years is totally in the wake of the move to the hybrid engine mm. and them nailing that and then nailing the rest of the setup in relationship to that. So I think that, and that set them up for years of excellence. So we'll see if somebody else can nail it to that degree. Last little bit of news that seems important to me. Michael Massey, the former F1 race director for the last three seasons, has been replaced after the way last year ended. Basically, F1 also amended (laughs) the safety car rule that caused a bunch of drama last season. I wonder if those things went hand in hand. Hmm. What's the impact of changing a race director? They're going uh, with two, actually, now. Eduardo Freitas and... Niels Wittich, who yeah. will be alternating, I think. And then my understanding is there also will be a little bit more like off-site support for them as okay. well. So there's, so it, there's a. I think that was the perception. The overwhelming perception was, 
I think the institutional take here was Massey made a mistake. It really probably was not entirely his fault from the stand of the FIA in the sense that he didn't have the resources he needed. So we need to provide this person with more resources. But the truth is this bridge is so intensely burned. He cannot be the guy anymore because yeah. these teams are are not willing to work with him. I mean, I think Red Bull was literally the only team that didn't support replacing Massey. I think they had I think like he did a great job. He's awesome. This is the best guy we've ever had. Yeah, I think they I think they I don't know exactly how that's did they like ask them or was there a vote? I'm not clear on that, but I had read that like basically behind closed doors Christian Horner was the only guy who wanted to keep him. Uh, that's good. Why yeah. do why do they do it so late though? It does seem very late, like late in the game to me to be changing a, a major figure in the sport. I that's a good question. I don't know why they would wait around to do it. I guess they there was a lot of hemming and hawing. I think at the end of the day, it was they too close to the event itself to the final race. They didn't want to admit any fault. Sure. I think they were they were trying to hold a hard line and say we did everything correctly and then with enough distance be like, oh, but independent of that, we're making a change. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I think we spent the whole off season researching this. Yeah, totally. I think that's what they're attempting to you know, split the difference between I don't think anybody's really buying that, but you know, you give it a shot. All right. Well, that's all for our drivers, our cars, our directors. Got to take a quick break here. But when we get back, we're going to make some predictions for the 2022 season. Stick around. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams, trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy, and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Boys are back. No red shirts, but we're still here. Talking about engine freezes (laughs) over the break. You don't want to have a bad power unit. Shout out to the Slipstream team for telling me about that. Engine freezes. Had to get educated. That is, it is going to be a complicating factor. I was, as we were talking about during the break, that's my uh, my belief that the secret reason you saw Botas have to do so many engine changes last year and then be so willing to absorb those penalties is because Mercedes was really focused on engine development in the lead up to this engine freeze. I, I don't know if I've actually ever seen that confirmed in like the press, but I would speculate that that's what they were doing is they were throwing him under the bus in order to make sure that they were able to move the engine far enough forward in the lead up to this. Oh, I can't wait till he writes a tell all book. Yeah. Then we'll finally get to the bottom of this. 
drama. I don't know. What is it? What is it? I would be interested in a Botas still old book. Yeah, sure. Totally. Totally. Very dry, very very short, economically uh-huh. written. Like a lot of the very short declarative <laughs> sentences. All right. F1 does start for real this Friday. There's already been some action on the track, however, thanks to preseason testing, like you mentioned, in Barcelona and Bahrain. Are you a sicko? Are you watching these preseason tests? I watched a little bit of them. I watched a little bit of them. I would, I'm not a true sicko in the sense that I don't have them on for like all day, just on a monitor. I'm following, I'm following the times, seeing how they're doing. I'm checking in each day. But let's be real. The preseason testing is not super engaging. <laughs> like, okay. I, I mean, honestly, is... <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say it. I have a hard time like getting excited to watch preseason basketball. Oh my god. <laughs> so oh, preseason yeah. racing is a a tough ask. Though I did see some pretty like wild paint jobs. I remember that going out for testing. Getting into like a big argument on his site like I I forget who we were with, but Zach Lowe and I were defending <laughs> the idea that like you should that like watching preseason basketball in lieu of watching postseason baseball is actually insane that, that I'm, I don't even like I don't even like baseball that much but like postseason baseball is inarguably yeah. better than preseason yeah. basketball like I and, and a bunch of other people thought that was ridiculous because it's basketball and I, I was like I don't know man I mean this is this is not good. Yeah, so. we talked about it a, <laughs> a little earlier. You said you've been following the times, and obviously there's a lot of news out there regarding testing. Is there a team or a driver that's impressed you or surprised you? Well, we mentioned it earlier, but really impressed with Mick Schumacher on that last day. You know, he, I thought, looked great. You know, the Haas car generally looks like it, it has taken a step forward, and the huge sacrifices they made last year were worth it. Ferrari has got to be the standout one where a lot of pressure coming in, a lot of hype. You know, people had said, oh, I think Ferrari's doing a good job. You know, I I think they can compete again for titles. That was the expectation coming to preseason testing. It appears as if they've delivered and they have a car that can at least put one of their guys back on the top step. We'll see about the titles. Um, So those are the, I think those are the two where they, you know, on both kind of the low end and the high end, Mm -hmm. the ones that, have got to be the winners of of preseason testing with the with the caveat that like nobody's shocked that like the Red Bull looks really right good. of course you know like that yeah so, yeah they won last yeah. year still look good and the question of course is is Mercedes sandbagging it always comes up to the sandbagging talk during preseason it does testing. it's it's a, I cannot believe how it's uh, what an annual tradition a tradition unlike any other (laughs) every year saying the car sucks and then it's like oh jk we've all lost by like 20 seconds i will say it is weird that one of their solutions to porpoising was just like just just tie it down basically you know like put a bungee cord around it and it'll hold it down it'll be fine there's got to be something more to that yeah, it's got to be more. I don't know. The, the porpoising thing is a really complicated problem, yeah. a really complicated engineering problem. We'll see how much it people really solve it versus how much Deal it bleeds it. into the season. You know, I also think other changes. I, the thing is, it might come and go because you'll see people continue to evolve parts of the car and might have unexpected. You know, re, uh, these porpoises might unexpectedly rear their head. Uh oh. You mean like uh, a. <laughs> That's not a sound. Like a, yeah, what do they do? That's like a, I guess they make a dolphin yeah, sound. Do they go like? A, <laughs> yeah, what's a what's a porpoise make? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, let us know. Let us know like in the comments a, if you ever heard a porpoise. <laughs> if you've yeah. ever heard a porpoise, let us know what they sound like, please. Uh, you mentioned the 2022 season. That's what we're talking about. So let's make some predictions about it. First one I got for you, Graydon. Which team 
is going to make the biggest jump in the standings. I'm going to go I'm going to go with Haas. I'm with you. I'm going to go with Haas. I think the they Haas can boys. go two, three, you know, up. I think, you know, the other ones, I don't think anybody's in position to make a bigger leap than they will, you know, in the sense that even if Ferrari wins the title, they've actually, they were third last year. You know, it's not, they've, they've only moved up so many places. <laughs> That's, the- <laughs> That's the porpoise? It sounds just like a dolphin. Well, I think it's a dolphin. <laughs> okay, that's a, yeah. That, so no, hard that's to tell. gotta be. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's the porpoise, and that's, that's just the, a sick that's the drum porpoise drum. rock band. Yeah, that's their that's yeah. their band. Yeah, Haas is going to score some points this year. Uh, they were competitive in the recent past, you know, like a hundred competitive in the in the, like we're going to score some points and not be Haas is trailing everybody. Truly embarrassing backmarker is actually a comparatively recent phenomenon sure. that wasn't the case when they first came into the sport, and I do think they can be back on the bottom half of that midfield pack consistently. And, you know, uh, and I, I think they can, yeah, they're my pick. So is there any sort of like concern with Haas about like being able to continue to field the team now that they don't have their fertilizer guy around? They claim financially things are okay. And my understanding is, is that your old colleague, which was the title sponsor that's now been pulled uh, in the wake of all the various Russia sanctions is had already paid them a lot of the money. I don't know if they have to give it back or can you even <laughs> give it back? Like you're not allowed Great to like point. wire money to people in Russia at the moment. It's like I don't I don't even know how you go about doing that. You know, so it's it, so maybe they just pocket it and then are like, "Cool, we're out." And wow. you know, but or maybe they try to give it back. Apparently they're okay. I imagine if that rears its ugly head, it's not even this year. It's like next year they sure. have to take a step back because, you know, developmental investments got disrupted or something like that. We'll also see how how quickly they can. They are uh, no stranger to title sponsor drama. <laughs> they yeah, have had exactly the craziest right. journey of weird title sponsors. So, you know. Yeah. Next question. This one. This one's a tough one. Who's going to make the biggest drop in the standings? Like, uh, maybe Alfa Romeo. Maybe yeah. Williams. I mean, Williams was eighth. Maybe they could fall the tenth if they don't have a if their car's not doing it right. And Alfa Romeo, I guess they could be tenth. <laughs> but yeah, to me, that's a I don't tricky know. One and and then just from a team standpoint, yeah, it's pro- it's it's yeah, maybe it's Alfa. It's probably Williams, honestly, sliding two back unless you see somebody like. Unless, like, McLaren's way off the mark sure. and ends up at the back of the midfield or something unexpectedly, you know, they're actually not that competitive against AlphaTauri and Alpine and the like. That, that, I could see that happening. The other one here, lest we forget, I mean, this would really shock me, but the answer could be Mercedes. Sure. I mean, if Mercedes is not sandbagging and they really didn't nail the car design— and suddenly they're fourth in the championship or something. I mean, that's a huge slide. So, well, I mean, even coming in third is a huge slide for a them, right? Because I mean, I don't know. At least for the past couple of seasons, it's been one and two are so far ahead. Yeah. Of even three and four, that it, you know you're playing in a different field, in totally. a different game, totally. basically. So yeah, I guess it's going to be interesting to see. Like, how much are you faking the funk here, Mercedes? You got two good drivers. You've had a ton of success, but new cars. Let's we're, see how it happens. We're definitely there. You know, they're a boy who cried wolfing us, right? Like at this yeah. point, nobody believes them, but I guess we'll see. We'll see on Sunday.
All right, which driver do you think is going to be most successful on their new team? Probably a pretty easy pick here. George Russell moving to Mercedes, though. We'll see. Yeah, Russell, I think, probably has the biggest leap in points. You know, like yeah. that's he's he he's at the biggest jump there. Yeah, I mean, the answer is, is probably Russell, right? I guess he's like there's I, – I don't – I'm not that bullish on Guan Yu Zhou's not, – not to knock him as a driver. I just think it's incredibly hard to be a rookie in the sport. I don't actually think Albon is going to be all that successful. Um you know, the, the, the sleeper here is K-Mag. K-Mag? Is that his nickname? Yeah. I like right. it. Yeah. I think, well, he's going to look the most impressive, I think, because right. Haas's car should probably be better. Probably. He's going to be better than Mazepin was last year. By a country mile. And you would think that he will he will help Mick Schumacher out, so they'll probably just get a little boost there with Schumacher being in his second year uh, as well. So yeah, yeah. We're, I feel like we're, we're a little too big on Haas right now to be quite honest. You think we're like, we're yeah, a Haas. I'm thinking, yeah. I, I'm revising my prediction. Haas wins the title. Schumacher, K-Mag, one, two, Haas, drivers and constructors, so they, they clean up. That would be, it's not even close. That would be winning, quite the they're season. They're winning races by 10, 20 seconds. It's like, yeah. Who's taking home the most DNFs this year? I don't know if you take home a DNF or if you just leave it out there on the course. It's a shame because Mazepin's the easy answer here if he's still in a seat. I think – I hope it's not – I hope it's not my short king, Yuki, but it might be. Like, Yuki is kind of a mess out there sometimes. He's I a feel crash like monster he, last he's year. He's a bit of a crash. He's a bit crashy. I feel like I, I feel like the answer is Yuki, but I don't want it to be. I think uh, Albon will challenge for the Ooh, DNF title as that's well. That's actually a good answer. A yeah. bit of a an aggressive driver, like we mentioned, he had the touch-ups with Hamilton not too long ago, and Williams's brakes were catching on fire during uh, <laughs> during preseason testing. I saw Nicholas Latifi happen. was putting his own car's fire out with a fire extinguisher. That's so kind awful. of like uh, when you're a driver and you don't like being passed and you get upset about it, you also don't want to be the driver who has to put your own car out when it's on fire. Yeah, so, yeah fair enough. Behind the eight ball for Williams to start the season. Here's like the big the two questions, though. Who's going to be the Constructors champion? Who's going to be the driver's champion? Handle them separate or together if you want to. I thought a lot about this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to hot t- I mean, there's like what I really think, and there's my hot take answer. I'm going to say... Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. I'm going to go with my heart. Yeah, there we go. I mean, you could easily pick Red Bull and Max Verstappen, but that's no fun. I mean, it's no fun. I even picked Mercedes and uh, Lewis Hamilton last year. I'm doing it again. It's a bounce back year, but now it'll be fun because it's a bounce back year. Nobody's picking Red Bull on this podcast. <laughs> it's hard, man. Honestly, Red Bull should <laughs> Red Bull should probably be even better this year, don't you think? I mean, Perez probably. weird car se- kind of a good. weird season for Perez. Like uh, I was expect he to me like you were mentioning Gasly is a guy who gets a lot more out of his car than it seems like he should. That, to me, was Perez before he got to Red Bull. So I thought he would hop into this elite car and be one of, like, the championship contending drivers, which I think he finished fourth. So he was. But it wasn't, like, instantly a perfect match there. But he finished fourth, but, like, 25 points. Yeah. Maybe not even ahead of, like, Carlos Sainz in fifth, which is, given the gap between those cars, that that should have been much larger. You know, that's, that's actually where I will say with this, you could see another split title where, you know, Max walks away with the driver's championship. He's so talented and he's in a great car. But if, let's say, Ferrari has a very competitive car or even the equivalent car to to Red Bull, 
you know, are Leclerc and Sainz the better duo, and do they bring home the the constructors' title? I think that's plausible. I think it's plausible. Uh, same thing with Merck. Mm-hmm. If Merck figures out the car and it's actually really good, it, it seems to me like there's multiple guys who could take the title, but actually a different team was better. Yeah, to me, it seems like Red Bull is a lock to finish in the top three of of the of the teams out there. They're the most like they're going to finish top lock. three and be great. Top yeah. two, probably, to be quite honest. If they're not top two, I'd be pretty shocked. Yeah. If they're not top two, it's only because. I mean, I guess this what I'm about to say is obvious, but it's like I think Mercedes and Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari, excuse me, have wildly overachieved. If somehow they they knock. Red Bull out of the top two. It's like, that's a huge sure. outcome for both of those teams. A huge outcome. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is just that, like, Red Bull seems like, you know, they've had they've had a lot of great seasons in a row. They finally got over the hump last year with Max winning. They're going to be good again, whereas Mercedes, it seems like they're probably sandbagging. They're, they're, they've got good drivers. They've been great in the past. They'll probably be good as well. Hopefully they are sandbagging. And hopefully Ferrari's, like, preseason testing is legit and that they can actually compete as well because having three teams go for the championship, that's better than having two teams go for the championship. People forget, but even just back as recently as 2017, 2018, you know, that 16, 17, 18 era, uh, even in 19, you know, Mercedes was always like pretty confidently winning the titles. They were normally not that threatened in the Constructors' Championship. But in actuality, Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes all were regularly winning races. Sure. The team you saw on the top, to win any given race was very, very competitive across those three teams, depending upon which you know, the track favored their various you know, car designs. And I think you could see a world where we're back in that, where it's actually, even if somebody emerges as the leader of the pack, actually any given race is very exciting. And there's a lot of... The, the wide the wide array of design directions we've seen with the cars well you know leads to a lot of variance track to track so hopefully that's the case you got our picks Charles Leclerc and Ferrari Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes Same. homers homers big time homer picks here but I'm leave yours <laughs> down below uh, in the comments. We want to hear who you got for the Constructors' Champion and the Drivers' Champion in the 2022 season. We're going to take one last break here. When we get back, we're going to Bahrain. We're staying here, but we will be talking about the Bahrain Grand Prix. In our, in our Stick around. And we're back. I'm mess, messing with my monitors. This is... <laughs> what a dum-dum. What a dummy. Anyways, uh, this isn't just a season preview for the Formula One season. It's also race week, Graydon. Bahrain Grand Prix kicks things off this weekend. We got practice Friday, qualifying Saturday, then the real deal. Sunday morning, 10.55 a.m. Eastern. That's a nice time. (laughs) That's a nice time. a.m. Eastern. Here, here in the Eastern time zone. That's right. It'll be on ESPN, the big boy ESPN. We're not on ESPN2 for the race, Mm -hmm. so you know it's a big deal. The worldwide leader. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. 22 races currently on the calendar, going until November with a lot of breaks in between. Got two races in the States this year, actually. They added that Miami one. Yep. I suppose they could add some more races to the calendar, but we shall see. Definitely starting in Bahrain. Last year's podium, Hamilton, Verstappen, there with Mercedes. If you remember this race, Verstappen overtook Hamilton lap 52, but it was outside track limits. 
Hamilton may or may not have forced him or tricked him to go outside of track limits. So then Max had to get the spot back. Hamilton takes the lead. He wins. Took all of one race for these two to get into a skirmish last year. I wonder if we'll see the same sort of uh, fireworks this year. Uh, Lewis Hamilton has won in Bahrain in 14, 2014, 2015, 19, 20, and 21. Do you care at all about historical records when the regulations have changed? Are we just throwing it out the window? I think he he likes the track and he you know he he excels there, but it's also it's like say, there's so many tracks where it's like and Lewis Hamilton yeah. is one here this year, this year, this year, this year, this yeah, that, like it's like and it's like you need multiple hands to count them yeah. all. Like so it's 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 almost he's such an anomaly in that regard. I I don't know that it it makes him the favorite going into this weekend, but you know I. I guess we'll see. I I do think this is an interesting track because it's probably one of the ones where you see the biggest gap between practice and the race itself because practice is during the day and then it goes into the evening and and track temperatures change a lot over the course of the day. That that affects, I think, tire strategy Mm -hmm. a lot. There's a lot more X factors there. All the more interesting because the tires are new. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of data still to be collected on how they handle, how they degrade, you know, and what the what the optimal strategy is. This is always a tough track to nail the tire strategy, even more so this year. So that's got to be because of the temperature differences in because of the temperature the air differences. Temperatures? Yeah, the temperature differences in the air and, and the track temperature. I think that's got to be the that's the biggest factor because I think only P two like practice two is the only one where they're running kind of close to you know race conditions okay so it's so you know it it makes it it makes it a challenge to know you know you don't have the right data so and i think all the more so because these tires are pretty new you know yeah that makes sense to me uh with with the nba we always do after you know it kicks off on tuesday night two games then they play like a hundred on that wednesday night yeah we always do it's only one game but where we're overreacting to what happened in Ooh. the very first thing of the season. Love to overreact. Does that happen for Formula One? Oh my God, yes. I, I mean, I assume yes, but this year you gotta be like, okay, so we got a completely new car. We don't know what's going on with the tires. We don't know what's going on with the porpoises. We don't know what sound a porpoise makes. No. Does it make a dolphin noise? Does it even Does make it a sound? Do you think it's like a cow? Thing? Like a Yeah, so to me it seems like it's gonna be hard to overreact to this one unless somebody comes away like completely blows out the field and you're like, uh-oh, that's the best car by far. I, I could not disagree more. I think it is so easy to overreact <laughs> to this one. It's a blank slate. Right. No matter who wins, you could say they're going to win every race. I think it's a perfect platform on which to say literally whatever the heck you want. <laughs> like, to just make it, to just go perfect, as extreme then. and crazy with your takes coming out of it as you want. Well, maybe this is when the Haas march for the championship starts. The oh, first I mean, race that's of the what season. I'm saying. I, this is Mick. The, the Schumacher is crowned yet again. If you had to make a pick for who wins this weekend, who you got? Oh, my God. I mean, I guess I guess Max is sure. the smart pick. As the smart pick. But I... I Not th- me, Greg. This has got to be the... This has got... I mean, that's, that's uh, as impossible... That question will get easier as yeah. the season goes on, but this is that's a tough question to answer from where we stand right now. Well, it's going to be Carlos Sainz. I don't know if you know that. I love that answer. I love it's that answer. Him. It's right there. Here's another one I need to know. Is, Nor- is Lando Norris getting a win this year? I'd love to see it, although I feel like all episode I've kind of been dogging McLaren or like yeah. a little bit, like <laughs> a little bit bearish on them. So I, I, I don't know if I, you know, but the truth is, is he's got the talent and I, I think you'll see enough 
variation and actually the field is tight enough that the difference between the very top teams and the midfield teams is narrow enough that yes Norris can pull it off I think he might need a little bit of help but let's hope so because he really deserves it he really deserved it last year in Sochi speaking of which I think you mentioned there are 22 races on the calendar I think they intend to add a 23rd yeah because they canceled Sochi and now there's 22 but I think they're going to replace it so I so I do think in the end we'll get 23 just like Michael Jordan, just like LeBron James, yeah, just like Draymond Green. And it looks like we might get a third next year. We might get a third American race, or soon. Where? Las Vegas. Ooh. That's what they're talking about. Talk about I don't know if the pens to temps. paper. That'll be a tough one. I don't know if the pens to paper yet, but I think they're literally talking about setting it up where like the main straight is the strip. It would be like a road That'd race crazy. in Las Vegas. <laughs> I know, it'd be, it'd awesome, be insane. <laughs> it'd be really <laughs> cool. It'd be insane. They're still going to have the guys standing on the corner. Hey. Strip club, strip club. You want to go? I guess. <laughs> just yelling at the drivers yeah, as, they, as, they, as they go by. I mean, why? That's part of the landscape. Craziest thing one of those guys ever said to me. Hey, you want some nipples on that beard? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What was your answer to that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to go record a summer league show. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll make, see you later. I'm trying to watch some. I'm trying to watch some preseason basketball here. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 But uh, I think that does it. I think that does it for us. We oh. talked about every driver. We talked about all the cars. We made some predictions. We looked at the race this weekend. I don't know what else. I can't wait to go back and listen to this episode at the end of the season <laughs> to realize like how off my predictions yeah, were. Like just how wrong I was. That's all right. That's how it is. Thanks so much to everybody who joined us today. Make sure you follow Graydon on Twitter, at Mr. Gordian. It's the only way you're going to find out where the buffalo were in the 19th century. It's incredible when you see that map to think. They reached all the way down here to Atlanta. Buffalo herds naturally here in Atlanta. Love to hear it. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, basically wherever there is social media. It's at No Dunks, Inc. Subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash no dunks. Only a dollar a month for the next six months. And I know they got F1 content coming around the bend. Also, send us some emails. Hit us up at nodunks at theathletic.com. Put no breaks in the subject. We're going to be doing this show a lot more this season. So your questions will be much appreciated. And you'll ask us some things that we never even thought about. Uh, You got anything, J.D.? Nope. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah, Just, uh, you know, that's it. All right. Make sure to tune back in to No Breaks next week. Uh, It's the only F1 podcast that plays your porpoise sounds. (laughs) Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Stay speedy, people. Vroom, vroom. (laughs) Meow. Nice.